And uh, the first 10 verses, and then we'll get started. It says here in Luke 19, 1, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. He made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all to be guest with a man. The poor
taxes. And then over the publicans, they would uh, put uh, um, what they commissioner of customs. And the commissioner of customs was the, the top dog. He was the head guy who would make sure that everybody else was doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, you know, make sure the books would back.
flops. Sin and comes short of the glory of God. Mankind is. is That is really great that when when care man comes fine. Opportunity to sin, I guess. So Zacchaeus was rich in material things, but he was morally bankrupt. About Zacchaeus, he was not only morally lost, he was intellectually lost. He was intellectually lost. He didn't know who Jesus was, right? He didn't know who Jesus was. That's why he climbed the tree. He didn't know who Jesus was. Acts 4, their name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. See, that's why this church is a mission-minded church. That's why this church supports missionaries who reach those folks who have never heard about Jesus. We're a missionary-minded church. Does anybody know who John Allen Chow is? You will as soon as I get ready to talk about him. Uh, this was a young man who was made infamous for trying to reach the Sentinelese tribe on that remote island off the coast of India. He was a young man that uh, wanted to go and tell the people about Jesus, but these people are the most isolated people in the world, and they killed the young man right there on the beach. And this young man was labeled an idiot a delusional thrill seeker and a fool but you know what this young man did he took commission to its logical conclusion is what he did Matthew 28 19 says go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said that travel with Paul, all of those Christians after Paul, Christians today are doing the very same thing.
taking the name of Jesus to people who have never heard the name of Jesus because they're intellectually lost. Intellectually lost. Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall him in whom they have not believed how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher how shall they hear without a preacher his friend uh, uh, John Ramsey uh, who was being interviewed who also is a fellow evangelical he was uh, being interviewed and he was defending the actions of his friend and this is what he said. He says his motivation was love for the Sentinelese people. He says, if you believe in heaven and hell, then what he did was the most loving thing anyone could do. He was taking the name of Jesus to people who didn't know the name. Whatever one's personal opinion is about this young man, whether you think he was a fool or a martyr, at least he cared enough about a people who had never heard the name of Jesus to even risk his life to tell them. Zacchaeus was not only morally lost and intellectually lost, he was also socially lost. He was also socially lost. He was despised by the religious he was tolerated by the secularists and he was loved by no one. Zacchaeus was a member of a despised class of people in the society at the time. He was a publican. He was an outcast. As far as religious people were concerned, he was as worse as a dog. To his Roman masters, he was just a Jew and he was profitable to them as long as he what? collected the taxes and among his peers he was the boss (laughs) right he was the boss generally a person who gets to Zacchaeus station they probably have very few friends they probably have very few you don't get that high on that kind of a system making friends on the way at least true friends, real friends. You know, the Apostle Paul spoke about being a, a social outcast himself. And what Paul said about himself being a social outcast, he said in 1 Corinthians 4.13, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. You know what an offscouring is? It's what you scrape off the bottom of your boots when you've been in the barn all day. That's what Zacchaeus was. He was the scrapings off the bottom of the boot socially. You know, sometimes we Christians can be kind of snooty. Unwilling to reach out to those whom we may consider are no better than the scrapings off the bottom of our boots. I remember being in a home Bible study one time and there was a particular man in there who was spouting about his ethnicity. Is that the right word? Ethnicity. Yeah, and how great it was and how much better he was because of this and all and that. And quite frankly, he was making everybody else feel second class. In those rare moments of clarity, <laughs> I quoted a verse. 
Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither in Christ Jesus. You see, the cross levels everybody to one level, doesn't it? The Lord touched the lever, he forgave him. He allowed a woman from off the street to wash his feet with her tears and her hair. Jesus ministered to the infirmed. He, can, he comforted the grieving. He turned away no one, no one that came to him in need. No one. And he died. And as he was being nailed to the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So that's Zacchaeus. Lost, intellectually lost, and socially lost. Now I want to talk about a difference. We see here in verse 3 of Luke 19, and he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was of little stature. And when he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was a pass that way. This is a comical story, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's even a little children's song or something that goes along with this. Kind of a comical story. This wealthy, important publican who's probably, I don't know how tall he could be, a short, short man climbing up in a tree. And whereas the blind man had called to get the attention, Zacchaeus scrambles up the tree because he's short. He couldn't see over the crowd, he couldn't see through the crowd. So being a man, he does the only thing he can do, right? He's been doing this all his life. He's been climbing advantage. So he climbs up a tree. Jesus that everybody's excited about. You know, it's interesting as I was looking at six trees, they claim that the tree that Zacchaeus climbed still exists today. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. That could be. People that come to the city, a tourist. I don't know. But tradition claims this uh, particular tree can still be found right there in the in the city center of Jericho that Zacchaeus claimed uh, climbed up. I don't know if it's still there or not. I don't know. It's true that sycamore trees have been part of Israel's agricultural history for thousands of years. Thousands of years. of King Solomon in 1 Kings 10.27 The king, this would be Solomon, made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones and cedars made he to be a sycamore. These were important trees. In fact, King David, in 28, put charge of these sycamore groves and orchards to make sure that they were maintained. Sycamore trees are also mentioned in Psalm 78 when God delivered Israel through the plagues. Psalm 78, Asaph, as he's recounting the Lord's deliverance, mentions that God plagued 
a sycamore tree in Egypt. An important tree. And the prophet Amos, he was a gatherer of sycamore. Amos 7.14. He said, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. So he had two careers, right? So the sycamore tree, it's, it, it's an ancient tree, it's a common tree. Tree and it was a tree that climbed that day to see Jesus. In fact, this tree was trees today, and it would branch out and provide shade for the travelers. But this is what I thought was interesting in my research on the sycamore tree. The sycamore tree is like a fig grows uh, close to the trunk of the tree and I got on line and I actually saw a sycamore tree with the fruit and the fruit grew right almost right off the trunk itself and they were clustered like grapes and they were about the size of a fig and this is what I thought was interesting I was studying this for the fruit to be harvested those who do that they go and they or some other sharp instrument. Because what this if you fruit so is before. In the case of Zacchaeus, this tree made this tree And that tree does make all the difference in the world to the lives of those who put their faith in that pierced fruit. Galatians 3 hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus promise of the spirit through faith. First Peter two twenty four, who his own self sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose strife makes the difference. You know what grieves me? There's a trend among churches today it. Uh, they replace maybe a giant globe or a dove or, or, or a flame or something. You know, something, some abstract religious symbol. But as trendy as it is, it's only the cross of Jesus that makes any difference at all for anyone. In his Born Crucified by L.E. Maxwell he says that the cross of Christ is the believer's identity I think there's a lot of truth to that the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 6 
forbid that I should glory Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. A few things about the cross. The cross is the clearest evidence of the world's guilt. Romans 5.8 says, But God committed while we were yet sinners. 1 John 2.2 2, Our sins and not for ours only sins of the whole world. The world hates the cross. Jesus Christ condemns the world. As long as it doesn't involve as long as it doesn't involve the cross. So I'm wondering are churches removing the cross because they want the world under the pretense of trying to reach the world? the church today find the cross effective to be effective I don't know all I know is no cross, no gospel another thing about the cross and the cross we see God's hatred of sin in Proverbs 18 there's seven things that God hates all of them are sin and these seven sins are sin man commits against another man us at one time or another against God but we've sinned against each other haven't we and because of sin this is what God says the soul that sinneth it shall die Romans 6 for the wages of sin is death see that's why God hates sin because sin results in the death not of death Ezekiel 33 11 the Lord I have no pleasure but that the wicked causes death what is true in Ezekiel's day is true today as well 2 Peter 3 9 the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is suffering to us, to us word not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance God hates sin because he is holy because he is Thou art of pure eyes, then, to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. But perhaps the greatest cause of God's hatred for sin is because of the cost it cost God to mankind. Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us. The Holy One of God, the Innocent One, became sin for us. And died on the and our sin was imputed to him while he was on that cross. And the only time that fellowship was 
cross is offensive to many because it shows a who must deal with the price he paid horns ridicule number three in the cross we see the glorious display of God's love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten what shall we then say to these things be against Stretch God out. He could give no thing his son. Fortunately, many churches. The world and the devil hates the cross. The cross. That is the way in victory for all those who believe in the cross. You realize that that cross has set us free from the tyranny of sin? That that cross has set us at liberty in Christ? are no longer under the law, but we are now under grace. Life, not death. He says, I am come that they might have
Not to, not to mention so it might take you was it a traffic In little canyons, I guess. Favorite haunt of thieves. That when he up the where the man was accosted by thieves and left for dead. That was a risk. That was a out. So what Jericho, they would spend the night in Jericho and then leave early the next morning. When Jesus had invited himself to stay at Zacchaeus' house, the intention that Jesus and his men were going to spend the night with Zacchaeus in his house before they were to leave early in the morning. That was the intention. You know, I'm thinking of Zacchaeus, and I'm thinking that maybe he was not a very happy man. Now, this is just my thinking, okay? If you don't agree with me, that's cool. But I don't think he was a very happy man. I mean, think of he was at the top of his game in the publican business. I'm thinking that's a pretty ruthless, <laughs> ruthless affair. It's like many politicians today, they don't get that high without being ruthless.
I'm thinking that Zacchaeus probably made some enemies, probably damaged some relationships. I'm thinking Zacchaeus was a pretty hard man. I mean, he admitted to cheating others, right, to gain his wealth. So I'm thinking this man was probably as hard as the coin he coveted. He's a pretty hard man, I'm thinking. And I'm thinking that maybe in his own home there may not have been happiness. There may not have been much joy. Proverbs 15.7 says, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Proverbs 17.1 says, Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifice. I'm thinking maybe may not have carried the same attitude into his home and even though he was well there may not have been It's just me. <laughs> I'm thinking that this brought a smile to Jesus' face, <laughs> seeing this little man up in the tree. Jesus had a sense of humor. And in the, the, the comedy in this, also he may have seen this man actually wanting to see him. And this may have brought a smile to Jesus' face. So I'm thinking Jesus in a warm, friendly tone with a smile on his face said, Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to spend the night at your house. You see, Jesus is always portrayed as this sober, always serious. I think Jesus was one of the most endearing people you ever wanted to meet. You immediately got from him this openness and this friendliness and this warmth. And it could be for the first time in a long time in Zacchaeus' life, he's sensing this friendliness from another human being. Proverbs 12.25 says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. So this despised and hated man receives Jesus this warmth and this friendliness, and so he responds. And as just as quickly as he scrambled up the tree, just as quickly he's scrambling But then again, you always have these folks. They murmured, right? And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus was climbing down the tree, 
and escorting Jesus to his home, the Jews found fault, complained, showed disapproval. The Jews murmured on two accounts. Uh, The people in general hated the publicans. They considered them extortionists and traitors. And Zacchaeus was the chief among the lots. So their comments, their murmuring, yeah, they were directed at Zacchaeus. That little sinner. But notice where their words were really focused. Their teeth, I think, were set on edge, not so much for Zacchaeus, but Jesus. But Jesus, this miracle worker, this holy man of God, why would he of anyone have anything to do with a man like Zacchaeus? What is he thinking? What is he thinking? To go and spend the night with this wicked man, very house is a testament to his wickedness and his greed and his covetousness. How could Jesus do this? These very people who were excited about being in the presence of Jesus have just now turned and are now complaining about Jesus. This association with the deplorables among Jewish society was a constant bone of contention with the Jews about Jesus. Matthew 9.10 says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they see it unto his disciples. Why? So from the very beginning, that was a bone of contention. And from the very beginning, Jesus tried to explain to these people why he did this. Luke 5.30 Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, Jesus came to manifest and sinners. That God is not willing that any that all should come to repentance. You know what Jesus was? He was the embodiment of the great commandment. Love God, love others. Love God and love others. A commandment that the Jews knew, the commandments that the Jews had given lip service to, but they failed to fulfill. Except among their own kind. And sometimes that gets dicey. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. But all this was lost on the Jews. And the people persisted in their hatred, and this hatred just hardened their hearts that much more. That's what hate will do. Hate will harden the heart. Hate will harden 
the heart. And the Jews' greatest need was a new heart. And in failing to respond to the in faith to the teachings of Jesus, substantiated by his deeds of love, their hearts became more and more stony. You don't want to have a stony heart. You know, when water is applied to the clay, the clay remains malleable and it can be worked by the hands of the potter. But when the water is no longer applied, what happens to the clay? It becomes dry and hard and you can't do anything with it. Let me give you a warning. There is an inherent risk among Bible believers who become so accustomed to the truth that the truth no longer changes the heart. It's possible. It's possible. Like the seed that fell upon stony ground, the people became excited in the beginning, and more so with the expectation of the coming kingdom as they saw Jesus drawing near to, to Jerusalem. In fact, they would even receive Jesus into Jerusalem, hailing him as what? King. But yet possessing no root of faith, no sincerity, these very same receptive people would soon reject the Messiah and crucify him because their hearts are hardened because they refuse life offered to them. That's why they were murmuring. They had hard hearts. Not so Zacchaeus. He was a changed man. It says here in verse 8 of Zacchaeus, stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, was to repent and believe. That he was. He was. He's making right. Verse 5 7 says, Done, and you shall recognize his trespass. The principle of that. Prove it. 
And he was going beyond the law. Four parts. true child of Abraham in that his faith is justified by his words of faith it is changed life that's what rejoices the Lord's heart is a Like the shepherd seeking for his lost sheep and having found it, Jesus now rejoices over Zacchaeus. He now rejoices over Zacchaeus. And then Jesus saying he, he's saying this voice, his voice. Jesus then proclaimed the heart of his mission, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. As with Bartimaeus, who, as I mentioned, was the next to the last person to be healed. Guess what? Zacchaeus is the next to the last person to be saved or converted or however you want to say it. You know who the next person is that's going to be converted or saved? The thief on the cross. The thief on the cross. Both of these men spies. Both of these men condemned by society, but yet both of these men are accepted and saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's hope for Zacchaeus and there's hope for the thief on the cross, there's hope for anybody. In closing, Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him, and he would. I believe that Jesus is the door of the church, specifically the door of the laity. And he's seeking entrance into his own church. Now, Jesus is still seeking the lost. And he's seeking the loss through his church, and he's still willing to come to him by faith. I question. Are removing us from their building, from their sanctuary? Then what does the church have to offer? Amen.